The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and this morning, we're going to begin another brand new mini-series simply entitled, The Thrill of Hope, and we're so excited to start this off this morning. This morning, we're going to kick it off with a message entitled, Hope Waits, and Pastor will be continuing the series uh, next week, so if you're visiting, you'll definitely want to come back to hear our pastor uh, next week. My name is Nick. I get to serve as the assistant pastor here at Ambassador Baptist Church, and I'm glad to be here with you all this morning. If you are visiting on your way in, you should have received a service program. On the inside, there's a connection card. If at any point in the service I get really boring, if you just want to pull that out, you can go ahead and fill that out and you can turn that in later in the service. Hopefully that won't happen this morning. Stand with me if you would as we read Luke chapter number two. We're going to read verses uh, number eight down through verses number 20 for our scripture reading this morning. Luke chapter number two, verses eight on the inside of that service program. There's also an outline you can use to follow along through the message this morning. Hopefully that'll be a help. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born... This day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem, And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and she pondered them in their heart. Thus, answering the question we all hear over and over again, Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew, right there. Verse number 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What do you place your hope in? 
Here's another way we might ask it. What does it take to make you lose hope? If you were to look up in the dictionary the definition of the word hope, you'll see that it can be used as a noun and a verb. As a noun, it means the feeling that what is wanted can be had or events will turn out for the best. That's when you use the word hope as a noun. As a verb, it could also mean to look forward to it, desire and reasonable confidence. So as a verb, you could say, they hoped the preacher would be short. Amen? All right, there we go. Hopefully we won't be too long this morning. If you look up in the Hebrew, the word hope, it comes from the word yakel. Most of the time in the Old Testament, this word is translated in hope. But if you study out that word, you'll also find that several times throughout the Old Testament, it's also translated as wait. So in the Hebrew, literally the word hope has this idea of waiting for something to come to pass, putting your hope in it. It has the idea of waiting. So we could ask it this way, what makes you impatient? You see, oftentimes when we get impatient, it could be that 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 is revealing something that we are putting our hope in. When we look at society today, it's easy to think of hope as maybe a luxury. You watch the news, or you just you jump on Facebook, or you just hear, listen to the radio, and you, you hear everything that's going on. It may seem like hope is a bit of a luxury. And when you study the historical landscape of our text here in Luke chapter 2, if you would sum it up in one word, hopeless would probably be a good word. You see, here in Luke chapter 2, we're coming off of what Bible historians call the 400 silent years. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was 400 years where there was no direct revelation from God. Nobody heard from God during these 400 silent years. And for nearly 200 years, uh, Israel, Jerusalem, was under Persian rule. So Persia was the world power at this time. And for 200 years, Persia uh, was uh, ruling over Jerusalem. Then after that, uh, Alexander the Great came in, and he begins his conquest of the world, and he takes over Persia. And with it, he takes over Jerusalem. So Jerusalem goes from being occupied by Persia. Now they're occupied by Alexander the Great and the Greeks. Well, after Alexander the Great dies, he has no successor. So this leads to a bunch of fighting amongst his generals for who's going to be in charge. Two generals really rose to the top. One general to the north took over Syria. Another general to the south took over Egypt. And so there's this almost civil war going on in the Greek Empire. The Syrians and the Egyptians are constantly fighting. And right in the middle, you have Jerusalem, who is being uh, captured by the Syrians and then captured by the Egyptians and then captured by the Syrians. And literally for hundreds of years, Jerusalem's just caught right in the middle of this world war going on. And then you have... um, At this time also, Greek culture is on the rise. And so because Greek culture is on the rise, many in Jerusalem, they're wanting to become like the Greeks. They're wanting to be more like the Greek culture. And so you have many who in Jerusalem are wanting to become like the Greeks, but you also have many in Jerusalem who want nothing to do with it, who who hold so tightly to their traditions and so tightly to their religion, they literally choke the life out of it. And they start adding all these rules because they're wanting everything to stay the same. And so they add all these rules and they become so legalistic They're what we often see in the New Testament as the Pharisees. So you have them rising to power. On the other hand, you have people who just want to abandon their faith completely and give in to everything that the Greeks say to the point where they just deny anything supernatural. And then you have the rise of the Sadducees. So not only is this war going on outside for Jerusalem, there's this political war going on inside Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the Sadducees constantly fighting. On top of all of that, you have this intense racism that begins 
between the Jews and the Samaritans. This is now really starting to heat up. So you have this war going on outside. You have this political war going on on the inside. Well, all the while, there's this intense racism that just keeps building up and building up. You have a city and a nation and a people that is literally falling apart. Well, as you study the history in those 400 silent years, you'll find out that eventually a Jewish family rose to power called the Maccabees. And they were for a while able to hold off the Syrians and keep a, a sort of peace in Jerusalem. But they were constantly at war with the Syrians. And eventually, after a few generations of this war, they literally got so wiped out, the Syrians and the Jews, that a new world power that was beginning to rise in the east, Rome, literally walks in and just takes over the entire region. And now you have Rome being the world power. And Rome runs everything from Palestine, including Jerusalem. Now imagine the climate you would find yourself in when you come into Luke chapter number 2. You were once part of a great nation that the world feared. In the Old Testament, when the Jews would come to town, other nations would get scared because they didn't want to mess with their God. There was this national pride. There was this sense of awe and wonder for God, but not anymore. You would find a people who would have been very hopeless, who were just weary and worn out from years and years and decades and hundreds of years of fighting and trying to reestablish themselves, but constantly failing. And here we have a people who the only tiny sliver of hope they dared hold on to was the promise of a coming Messiah. And here we find ourselves in Luke chapter 2, we find shepherds. Now, shepherds were not society's elite. They weren't the thinkers and the movers of their time by any stretch of the imagination. But you have these shepherds, the Bible says, keeping watch over their flocks by night, when out of nowhere they receive our first point, life-changing news. The shepherds received this life-changing news. What was this life-changing news? The Messiah had come. Literally, the Messiah was now here. These shepherds were the first to hear from God, among the first to hear from God in literally over 400 years. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. They're just doing their job. Working the night shift, doing a good job. When out of nowhere, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Now get this, they're sitting there minding their own business. It's nighttime, they're probably tired, they're probably fighting off a little bit of sleep, watching sheep, which are probably sleeping, you know, it's kind of a boring job. When out of nowhere, boom, this angel appears. And the Bible says, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. So there's these shepherds, they're sitting, and all of a sudden this angel appears, and then they look around, and God's glory is entirely surrounding them. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, when the glory of the Lord was made manifest at nighttime, it was made manifest like fire. So literally, imagine this. You're one of these shepherds. This angel out of nowhere shows up, a messenger of God right before you. And all around you, there's this fire. The glory of God is shining round about you. And it says, and they were so afraid. Yeah, no joke, they were afraid. Out of nowhere, this angel, this isn't like some pretty boy. This is an angel of God. He's God's messenger. He shows up, and this fire surrounds you, and they were so afraid. And then the angel says, hold up, hold up. Don't, don't be afraid. Fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy. I have good news for you. He says, I'm going to give you the gospel. I have good news for you, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, today, in the city of David, Bethlehem, the city right next door, the Messiah was born in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. This is how you know you're going to find him. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, 
There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. So now there's not only one. Now there's a whole bunch of them. And they're singing, glory to God on the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And just like that, boom, they're gone. Could you imagine being one of those shepherds in that moment, hearing the Messiah has come? For centuries, these, these people, they would have anticipated the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah was prophesied to stamp out all evil. And after generation, after generation, after generation of evil conquering you and evil pagan uh, countries ruling over you, now all of a sudden you had this glimmer of hope. The Messiah had come. They received life-changing news. And this peace that was promised might not have been exactly what they were initially thinking. This peace they would have promised was peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And immediately, what do these shepherds do? They go immediately. I mean, we all would have too. So they immediately leave and pick it up in verse number 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let, let's go. Let's go even now to Bethlehem. Let's go. And they went to see this thing which had come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto them. I mean, consider that phrase. We read over this so much, but these shepherds, they hadn't heard anything from God in over 400 years. And now God shows up and he gives them this life-changing news. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which just told them concerning the child. So literally, they see this, and then they run around telling everybody. They had received this life-changing news. The shepherds were different because they had met Jesus. You see, an encounter with Christ always leads to change. The shepherds were different. They met Jesus. They were now experiencing the thrill of hope. We take that from the Christmas carol, thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. These shepherds, they were in a weary world, but now they could experience that hope because they had met Jesus. When Christ is at work, change always comes. Verse 17 tells us they went around telling everybody, and everybody was wondering, man, what are these shepherds talking about? They were wondered at these things which the shepherds told them. And they had received life-changing news. This is what Christmas is all about. The light of the world stepped down into our darkness. That is why we can experience the thrill of hope. They received the life-changing news. The Messiah, Jesus, had come. Let me ask you, if you're here today and you're saved, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have you allowed the thrill of hope to become so normal that it almost is it's not, it's not it doesn't thrill your soul anymore it kind of almost becomes a cliche the thrill of hope now entered into this picture if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with jesus christ let me tell you you can experience hope like none other even though the world seems like it's falling apart you can experience hope why by having a personal relationship with god by faith through jesus christ the gospel is life-changing news that gives us the thrill of hope but I want you to notice what happens next in our story. It's a little counterintuitive, and to be honest with you, most of the time I think we miss it. We completely miss it. The Bible says in verse number 20, and the shepherds returned. Say, so what did they return to? Well, they returned to shepherding. They returned to living in a country that was occupied by a pagan ruler, a pagan nation. Leads us to our next part, uh, point this morning. Outwardly, nothing changed. Now consider this for a moment. 
The shepherds, they receive this life-changing news. The Messiah is here. In their minds, they probably would have been thinking, liberation from Rome, yes, well, once again, it can become a world power, but nothing happens. Here's a thought this morning. Literally, Jesus did not begin his earthly ministry for the next 30 years. I'm going to invite Steve Lyles. He's going to join me on the platform. He's going to help me illustrate this. But think with me for a moment. Literally, you receive this life-changing news, and then the next day, nothing happens. And the next day, nothing happens. And the next day, nothing happens. You get excited. The Messiah is here. And then, and, and then what? They return to, to shepherding. Now, I want you to imagine, we're going to do a little role-playing here. I want you to imagine one of the shepherds was my age. I'm 28. So if one of the shepherds was my age, I feel so bad doing this. <laughs> Literally, I would have been closer to his age by the time Jesus even began his earthly ministry. 30 years went by before Jesus did anything. That means there could have been some of these shepherds, depending on their age, that get this, never saw any change. 30 long years. For me, that's like living my life all over again. And one day I will be as good looking as this guy. Amen? Right? All right, thank you. You you could be seated. But allow that to sink into your mind for a minute. 30 long years. An entire lifetime goes by. And nothing changes. Let that sink in for a minute. You know what I love about God? God is revealed to us in Scripture as one who is never in a hurry. Now, in our minds, man, we want the change now. In our minds, because we're impatient, because oftentimes we put our hope in the wrong thing, I mean, we have a situation and we want the solution now. We have a circumstance. We we need this fixed right now. But oftentimes, that's not how God works. Literally, 30 years goes by. Rome is still the world power. Now, this is Rome that in a few generations was going to literally obliterate the temple, obliterate everything that they knew. The same Rome that martyred the Apostle Paul and martyred hundreds of thousands of Christians. The same Rome was in charge for another 30 years. See, sometimes in our finite understanding, we want the answer now. But oftentimes, God wants us to put our hope in Him and wait. Have you ever struggled with being patient? I had a very strong lesson in how much I struggle with patience this past week. So we were driving back from Las Vegas. We went to go visit a friend. And on the way back, I wanted more than anything to be home. If you've ever driven from Las Vegas to Fresno, you know that's the most boring drive in the world. It's long, it's straight, it's ugly desert, and you're, all you can think about is, I want to be home. It was late at night. I was tired. I was putting my hope in my bed. Okay, That's where my hope was. And so my speed while I was driving, I have to confess this to you, reflected that a little bit. Okay, probably more than a little bit, but it reflected that. And I'm driving. I, you know, I got the car on cruise control. I'm like, my hope is in my bed, and I'm going to do everything I can to get there ASAP. When out of nowhere, it's dark. It's, it's, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. You can't see anything except for what your headlights see. Out of nowhere, these pretty blue and red lights start shining in my rearview mirror, and my wife starts laughing at me, and I throw my head back. I'm like, well, that's what I get, all right? All of us at some time struggle with being impatient because oftentimes we put our hope in something other than God. So when we put our hope in God, 30 years can go by, and that's okay because our hope 
It's in God. That's why over and over and over again, the Bible says, hope thou in God. God is never in a hurry. The reason we're often, the reason we're so often in a hurry is because we care more about our circumstances than we care about what goes on in our heart. I was in a hurry because I wanted my circumstances to be more comfortable for me Wednesday night. And oftentimes, we get in such a hurry that we completely miss what God is trying to do in our heart. And we care more about our circumstances than our heart. While God cares, cares about our circumstances, he does, but he cares infinitely more about what takes place in our heart. That's why oftentimes, God has us wait. Because he's doing something in our heart. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. When Christ is doing a work in our heart, we can have this patience. We can wait and hope in God. The truth is, tomorrow morning when we all, we'll go home tonight, we'll go to bed. Tomorrow morning when we wake up, the world will still be filled with hate. I don't like that. I pray that it changes. I hope that it changes. But tomorrow morning, the truth is, our world will still be filled with hate. Tomorrow morning, when we wake up, our country will still be in desperate need of God. There's no way around it. Tomorrow morning, our health probably won't be fixed overnight. If you're struggling with some health things, just the hard truth is, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, that health situation will probably still be there. Your finances aren't going to be fixed automatically overnight. But all of that is okay because we can place our hope in God. And God is wanting to do something in us. God is wanting to do a work in our hearts. Whatever difficult circumstance we're facing, tomorrow morning it'll still be there, but that's okay because we have God. And it's not that God doesn't care about our circumstances. He does. And he wants us to pray for him. That's why he says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. He wants you to pray about these things. He wants you to go for these things. He cares about you more than even we do, but more than our circumstances being just comfortable. God so desires to do something in our heart, because a heart that finds its hope in God can go through any circumstance, regardless of how comfortable it is, because a heart that hopes in God has all the comfort it already needs. Outwardly, for our shepherds, nothing changed. And in our lives, oftentimes, the solution isn't immediate. Oftentimes, we'll receive life-changing news. Yes, we have Jesus, but we're still in the middle of a broken world. We still have our own remaining sin that we're dealing with. But I want you to notice, while outwardly nothing changed, inwardly, everything changed. The Bible says the shepherds returned, but how did they return? Glorifying and praising God. They returned to their mundane lives of being shepherd. They returned to pagan Rome still being the world power. They returned to all of that, but their hearts were transformed. They were glorifying and praising God despite their difficult circumstances. Why? Because they had met Jesus. The truth is, our deepest praise, our deepest worship, often flows out of our deepest hurts. When we're going through incredibly difficult circumstances, when we allow God to transform our heart, when we put our hope in God instead of our circumstances being fixed, it's amazing how the praise and the worship that can flow out of that. Many of you have been praying for baby Knox uh, on Facebook. Um, Carl, the baby's dad, has been a good friend of mine for the last 12 or 15 years. 
Um, we knew each other before we knew our wives. I mean, we're, we're really close. And they, they're just going through it right now. I, I won't go through all the details. You can look on our Facebook if you, if you want to, and I would encourage you to pray for Baby Knox. But this past week when we went to Vegas, I visited him. And honestly, if it was me, I would have been a wreck. Your baby's in the ICU, can't breathe on his own. He's hooked up to all kinds of life support. I was a wreck for him. He's a close friend of mine. But when I went him, it was amazing the work that God was doing in them, despite what's probably the hardest thing they'll ever go through. They told me it's amazing the peace that God is giving us. Why? Because they were putting their hope in God. Our shepherds, everything was against them. Their country was occupied. They had no hope for anything. But they did have hope because they met Jesus. They could praise God. They could glorify God, even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. Why? Because of Jesus. Everything was different for the shepherds now because they met Jesus. Hope was real now because they met Jesus. They met their Messiah. The Bible says in Psalm 146 too, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. The shepherds could emulate that verse. They could live out that verse. They could praise God with their entire life. Why? Because everything around them was rosy and looked great? No. Because they had met their Messiah. Outwardly, everything may seem hopeless. If you look at America today, outwardly, it, it does seem pretty hopeless. It seems pretty bleak. Your relationships may feel hopeless. Your job may feel hopeless. I hate to tell you that, but it's just a harsh reality. But regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we're facing, we can experience the thrill of hope because we have Jesus. We have received life-changing news. The gospel changes everything. And because of that, we can have hope. Jesus came into our messy world and died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Like the shepherds, hope may seem like a luxury these days. And to be honest with you, from our perspective, with our finite understanding, things may get worse. Things may seem like they're going to get worse before they get better. But like the shepherds, we can glorify and praise God. Why? Because we have received life-changing news. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, God also highly exalted him. He highly exalted Jesus and has given him a name which is above every name. I love this verse. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the end of it all, Team Jesus wins. And that is something that we can look forward to. That's something we should look forward to. Say, but what about in the meantime? Are we just supposed to hunker down and hang on till the end? By all means, no. We can, like the shepherds, live lives that glorify God and praise God and place full, reckless abandon in him. Why? Because we have Jesus. James 5, 7 says, Be patient, brethren. And when we put our hope in God, it's amazing the patience that naturally flows. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Verse number 8. Be patient and establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. We can be patient 
we can hope because God has us all under control. And even though it may seem on the outside, even though our circumstances may tell us that everything is falling apart, God is in control, and we can put our hope in him because we have Jesus. We can wait and hope because we have the indwelling presence of God. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.